Welcome to the Lemon Spark Podcast, where we share stories about lemons that spark a new direction in life. I'm your host, Barbara Zabala. Well, welcome, Kira Henschel, to the Lemon Spark Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk about your Lemon Spark story. Everyone, let me introduce you to Kira Henschel. She is a friend, but also a owner of Henschel House Publishing, so book publishing arm that publishes all kinds of really fascinating books, happens to also publish one of my books, the uh, entrepreneurship book, How to Find Purpose and Joy Through Entrepreneurship. So when I met Kira, you know, I had to ask, she ha- how did she get into publishing? Is there a lemon spark story behind it? And uh, we decided that we think there is. So Kira, welcome to the podcast, and I'm looking forward to hearing your Lemon Spark story. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Barbara. This is a thrill. I'm excited to, to be, to see you play in your podcast a little bit. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I guess I was just thinking about what are my, what are the lem- different lemons, and I don't know whether you know, my, my background's actually in, um, in geology. Which geology. Is- Geology, which has nothing to do really with publishing. No, it, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a, there is a link. You know, I think w- regardless of, of where you start, you know, there's always a path somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I studied geology in Madison and also international relations. And um, I guess one of the, the larger lemons is uh, was the death of my dad in 1979. I had just finished school I was just finishing up I wanted to get an MBA or a master's in something and um, his passing I I went over I ended up moving over to Austria in Europe and taking care of his mother my grandmother for quite a while and ended up living in Austria for 13 years oh wow you know big big huge lemon I mean I still miss my dad to this very day was your dad in Austria too when he died or he no he was from Austria he was from Vienna and he immigrated here to the to the states my mother was from Madison mm-hmm. and he immigrated here well first we were in Canada we lived in Canada for 5 years because of all the the different rules and regulations that were imposed on immigrants particularly uh, people who had fought for the for the Germans for the the bad guys mm-hmm. quote unquote right mm-hmm. um, and he had been conscripted he was an Austrian and that's when Hitler took over Austria and my dad ended up being a medical officer with with the German Navy he ended up in Canada and that's a, that's a whole kind of another story that my parents met in Cardiff in Wales my mother was a she loved traveling. And my father loved traveling. Both of them did. And they ended up both studying in Wales. And that's where they met and came over here. So, so were you born in Canada or in the U.S.? I was, I was born in Milwaukee at Columbia Hospital. I think I probably was conceived in northern Canada somewhere on a fishing trip. <laughs> so Got it. I don't remember that part. So your dad was here when he yep. passed, but then you went to Austria to help his mom? 
yeah, to take care of his mother. She was devastated. I mean, he was her everything. So I went over there to just to, to keep an eye on her. She was she was pretty, I mean, she was devastated by the whole thing. And there weren't a lot of relatives around. But anyway, um, I ended up going over there and getting into translation. So I was translating technical stuff, mm-hmm. geology, tunnels, water, rivers, railroads, all sorts of technical things from German into English. And that's that's what I did over over in Austria. This is leading up to why I got into publishing, actually. Okay. Somebody asked me to help translate a book on it was the Austrian political system. It was my, my first book, and it was a little bit challenging. Because <laughs> you have to understand the subject matter before you can translate it. Yeah. And then all sorts of other books. And that's what I did for, for 10 years over there. Wow. And ended up meeting books. my husband. Translated well that and other translations. So um, Halflinger Horses and Trauma. And <laughs> just, oh. you know, you learn just all sorts of things that come across your desk. And then, and then you met your husband over there too? Yep, yep. I met my husband there. And my daughter was born in 87, our daughter. And then we came, I came back over here in 92. So 13, you know, I was over there for 13 years. Wow. Were you in Indiana only or? No, I was in Innsbruck for the most oh. part, my grand oh. in Western Austria. Okay. Which was wonderful. You know, it was just, it was, it was, but I mean, if you can look at it as a lemon, you have to learn a, a new language. I spoke a little bit of German when I moved over there, but it's, there are all sorts of different cultures and uh, standards and uh, just the lifestyles, the way that, that people live. So it's learning how that works. Yeah. And, and making it work for you. So it was, I mean, it was interesting. It was definitely. Uh, many opportunities for growth, mm-hmm. learning, travel. I traveled a lot, so that was fun. That's incredible. Uh, I can't even imagine how wonderful in ways that would have been to live over there um, for 13 years and really get immersed into the culture and the different yep. languages. And that that's incredible. So you moved back to the U.S. In 1992, yep. you had a daughter in tow and a new yep. husband. Then well, husband, husband, my husband worked for, he worked for the Viennese fire department. And um, so he would get, get a, a week or, or get two weeks off and come over to the States and then he'd go back for a month. So it was kind of a. Wow. Uh, that had <laughs> been was, tough. It was, it was, yeah, it was challenging. And every time he'd come over here, he'd he was Austrian, but he he would um, complain about about the Americans and about how many brown and black people there were. He wasn't very tolerant of other oh. races. Wow! So it was that was a cultural thing as well that he had to kind of learn to function over here. And I mean, I was I was raised pretty much that you know you take people the way they are. Right. And when you moved back to the U.S., where did yeah. you move? to Wisconsin or Milwaukee Milwaukee okay yeah I moved back to Milwaukee and then we lived in Milwaukee for for a while and then ended up getting divorced and moving back to Madison which I loved that's where you went to school 
back. I went back to school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I just loved Madison and my daughter went to school there and I had, oh, let's see, six German exchange students over the years. Oh, I wanted very her to nice. learn the language. And so I was dealing with teenagers from another country. Uh, you'd been a perfect host for exchange students from Europe. That they learned be- independence. They <laughs> did. Cause I, I mean, I wasn't around a lot. I, I was teaching and I was translating. I worked for Siemens power generation in mm-hmm. Milwaukee before they left. And so I was, I was out of the house a lot. My poor first German exchange student. She didn't even know how to boil water. <laughs> so, so they learned independence with me at least. Wow. And and how old was your daughter at this time? Oh, she was like in ninth, 10th, 11th, okay. 12th grade. Yeah. Great exposure well, for her too then. Yeah, well, it was, yeah. Otherwise it was the two of us. Yeah. Locking horns. Was, <sighs> so so now you're in Milwaukee and working as a translator and teaching. Yep. How did the publishing business get to you? Well, let's see. How did that happen? Um, I speak, I worked for a publisher in Madison, a small one, or Middleton, um, AR Editions. I worked there as a production manager. I, somewhere in there, in between there, I got my master's from MSOE in engineering management. So hmm. this little publishing company in Madison, I I was looking for something in Madison, a job to do. And um, they looked at my resume and said, you got to be a production manager, not just, a, I was applied for a proofreading job. Oh. So they made me production manager and I had 11 staff and it was, it was an interesting way to approach life, <laughs> managing other people. And yeah. Not, yeah, so, so I did that, and then I started doing workshops, actually, about the whole book publishing process, because so many people really want to know what's involved, mm-hmm. right, from, from the idea, the spark, to finished book on the, you know, on your shelf, is what do you do? So I started t- teaching workshops, and I really enjoyed that. Who did and you teach the workshops through? Did Were you doing me, a lot of Me, I just rented a space, and... oh. Yeah. Uh, were people asking you and you just decided, hey, there's a market need out there for these workshops. I'm going to fill that need. Or how did you, how did people know to come to you to, for that education? I networked all the time, all the time. I was with uh, BNI and whatever the women's group was, WWE and, and many of these other organizations. So I networked all the time, became known as the book lady. If you have a book question, ask Kira. And um, so I was doing these workshops and, and built that up a little bit. And people then would say, well, would you publish my book? Would you publish my book? And that's mm-hmm. kind of how the whole thing started to help fund the uh, fund the fund. Because I was doing that for free for a while. And then I started charging for that, for the workshops. I also worked for a, a jeweler in Madison and... I don't know if you know, well, over near one of the shopping centers, they used to have sausage, uh, they have Johnsonville brats, like on Memorial Day, mm-hmm. and have these big things, and I was working for a jewelry store, and people would come in and smear their greasy brat fingers <laughs> on the glass, <laughs> and I just said, I'm done. It was May 31st, I think, 
1999 and I just said, I'm done. So I, during my break, I signed up for my, I purchased my first 10 ISBNs, the International Standard Book Numbers. Uh-huh. And started my publishing company. That's how it happened. I got pissed off. You, <laughs> you left a job that, how long were you working for the jeweler? Oh, just six months. It wasn't very long. <laughs> I didn't really care for it very much, but they figured oh. I'm a geologist. I can talk about diamonds. And oh, I get, well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, I really didn't like it at all because I knew how much pollution and then just environmental damage mining could do. And it wasn't really a good fit for me. So were you still working for the other publisher? When no, I had quit that. I'd, um, I had oh. through the workshops and um, helping people edit. And I, you know, you just, you kind of cobble things together the, the way that you need it. Mm-hmm. So you so. Had, you'd stopped working for the other book publisher. You then you were doing these workshops. Yep. And you got, you also worked for this jeweler to yep. just maybe make it ends meet or something. That's exactly what it was. Yep. It was making ends meet. And um, I got laid off the Monday after the Saturday um, because their daughter started working for them. So <laughs> the jeweler? they let me go. It was like two days later after I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I got laid off or fired or however, you know. Oh, then Not you're eligible for unemployment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it was just <laughs> like just one thing led to another. Mm-hmm. And I so was still doing was... editing and some translating and uh-huh. you know, you just you do what you got to do to make ends meet. But it was that 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 moment at the jeweler that really it sounds like was the, the that what pushed you over the edge and said, I, it was the straw. It was the straw that made you start Henschel house publishing. What did it, was it called Henschel house publishing at the outset? No, I called it goblin fern press at the beginning goblin fern press because um, among other things, I was also very involved with environmental issues. Mm -hmm. As a geologist, that makes sense. Yes. And, and thank you. <laughs> and um, the, the Crandon mine was just kind of ramping up at that time in Northern Wisconsin. And I was giving talks and telling people about, you know, what it takes to get ore out of the, out of the rocks and, and so on. So yeah. And the environmental side that kept me going as well. So it was, I was out there protesting with my daughter. <laughs> We've wow. got to preserve the water for, you know, for the children. And that, that's what really, it excited me. It, it was a passion thing. It was, it was really a wonderful time. Um, there were many different groups of people. There were Native Americans and environmentalists and labor people and the hunters and fishers. And, you know, it's just, it was a wonderful coalition of people, which wow. I really enjoyed. So your daughter was involved with environmental issues too? Oh yeah. She could, <laughs> she could recite a lot of that stuff. Wow. I didn't have much choice. I, I took her where I, where I needed to go. Oh, okay. So she wasn't old enough yet to be on her mm, own. Not, no, not really. Not, not till later, but okay. she was, yeah, she, she got to know a lot about Wisconsin and loved the road, road trips. 
Huh. Yeah. So we, we traveled around a lot. So book publishing, do you feel like that's your true calling or is it a more of a combination of, or is it more of a combination of the environmental and book publishing? I think the reason that I start, well, the, I'm going back now. The goblin fern mm-hmm. was one, just a tiny little fern plant. And it was one of the endangered species at the Crandon mine site, which had been started, um, initiated by Exxon, huge company, right? Mm-hmm. So the little goblin fern was one, I, th- I don't know of one of the uh, endangered species that actually helped stop the mine. So my motto at the time was how little things can make big differences. Oh, I love that. And that's why I started the company was to help new authors or people who hadn't been published before, who didn't have really a, a clue of what, what publishing really meant or what, what was involved, how their little voices or their voices could really make a difference. So that's how I, that's why I started the company was to give people a voice. Well, and I assume that that is still the case today, even though the name of your publishing company has changed. Right. I I had three different little companies and then I put it under Henschel House, the umbrella, because I I think that the different, there are different brand names. So I have Three Towers Press and that's my fiction imprint. And then now I just, I put pretty much everything under Henschel House now. But I did have, um, I had one imprint that was called Maven Mark. Maven Mark Books, Maven Mark Press. I don't remember exactly, but Maven Mark because Maven is an expert in something. So that was more for the speakers or people who wanted to get their expertise out there. So that's why I started it. It started very philosophically or altruistically. Yes. And I think that anybody who would go to your website, Henschel House, is it henschelhouse.com? Henschelhousebooks.com. Henschelhousebooks.com. And I'll put that in the notes for the podcast, the link. Thank you. Um, that people will see that, you know, you, the books that you publish are from a, just a wide variety of people and just different perspectives. And I think, it, I think it's wonderful because I think it gives, it does exactly what you set it out, set out for it to do, which is give people an opportunity to have their voice heard, their perspective heard. There's some wonderful, wonderful books that um, you can purchase on henschelhousebooks.com, including mine, but I'm not going to be partial. (laughs) Well, I like your book too. It just, it it provides a very realistic way of, of looking at entrepreneurship and business. Yeah. I like, I like it too. I guess the, we'll we'll end up with me asking you if you could talk to someone who's going through a tough time right now, I'm experiencing their own lemon, maybe kind of wrestling with what their purpose in life is and why something maybe happened to them, why they're on this journey. What, what would you say to them based on, you know, your experience and retrospective view of your life thus far? I I hope that the people in your audience have seen the movie Finding Nemo, Little Fish. Yes. Yes. There's Dory. Yeah. And Dory just says, just keep on swimming. Mm. I think that's really 
I have I have a picture, I mean a framed thing of just keep swimming mm-hmm. and put one foot in front of front, you know, one foot in front of the other and just keep going and things will get better. They all they always do, or new doors open up, or you'll meet somebody that that'll spark. Yes. You know, spark something. I mean, I've been I've been through lots and lots of different things. And I think it's just, it, you just keep on swimming. Just say, you know, tomorrow's going to be another day mm-hmm. and, and just keep swimming, really oh. keep paddling, keep your head above water. And on that note, I think that's a perfect way to uh, close your story. Uh, so thank you so much, Kira. Thank I really you. appreciate the time and um, really am amazed with what you've accomplished. So I look forward to to having others hear your story. Thank you so much. I really appreciated your time. And I enjoy working with you. It's great. Good luck with your book. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Lemon Spark Podcast. If you have a Lemon Spark story to share or know someone who does, please message us on Facebook and be sure to like our page. And remember, it's not the lemon that defines you, it's the spark.